Well, welcome again to the Ken Pierpont Story Podcast, and we're at story number six on the North Manitou Island adventure, uh, the sixth and final story. And this story is called Quicksand and Fog. When we planned the North Manitou trip, we planned only as much hiking as it would require to get to the west side of the island. Kyle and Chuck and I had such fond memories of it from our trip in 2001. None of us remembered the hike being hard. We remembered the trail wide and level and easy, almost boring. When we were there last, we hiked it fast. We were eager to make camp, enjoy a long stretch of very sandy, very beautiful, very private, very blue Clearwater Beach. We plan to have little Kyle Kenneth along, who's five, and even seriously consider bringing Oliver, who's three at the time. Eventually, Kyle decided to leave Oliver behind. Since we didn't expect much of a hike, we packed heavily, toting along a few luxuries like an umbrella chair, an extra stove, and more food than we could reasonably eat in a week. Now, if you've been reading these trail journals, you know that early in the trip, we went right when we should have gone left. We ended up in real trouble. On the unmaintained trail loop, there was a sharp climb. The ground rose to the left and fell sharply away to the lake on the other side. At this point, Kyle, Kyle, Kenneth, Chuck, and Wes had hiked on ahead of us. Daniel and I stopped to, he stopped to help me around a fallen log, so we were behind the group. Climbing the hill, I thought how awful it would be to lose my footing and tumble down the steep hill to my right, how impossible it would be to climb back up. That thought was followed by another, how amusing it would be if I were to toss a log down the hill and make others think that I'd taken that temple. And at that very same time, Dan must have had the same thought because he picked up a large log and he he tossed it impressively down the bank. It began to crash and roll and pick up speed. I made a series of guttural noises and grunts the way I imagine it would have sounded had I fallen down toward the lake. Suddenly, two heads appeared over the ridge in the trail ahead. (laughs) Chuck and Wes immediately dropped their packs where they were and bounded back to help me. Daniel and I laughed until it hurt. Wes and Chuck were not amused. I was moved in my heart when I saw the concerned look on their faces. At the time, I didn't know how much I would depend on them just to get safely off that island within a day or two. By evening, I would be in such pain I couldn't sleep and I couldn't walk, and in the morning, I still couldn't walk. We sat around eating breakfast trying to think of how to get off that island. We're all really wanted the ride to be over. It wasn't fun anymore. Our cell phones had no service or we would have, would have made an emergency call. I knew I could, couldn't walk the rugged nearly six miles back to the dock. And I promised to be out at Camp Barakel on Wednesday evening to speak for a week at camp. It was a dreary morning. The weather matched our mood. The island was shrouded in fog and it was cold. We packed our things away. We came up with a plan. Someone said, hey, let's build a raft and float Dad out around the north end. You think we can? What else can we do? He can't walk. So for the next hour, the guys gathered logs and driftwood, and they used paracord and our sleeping pads, and they fashioned this very sorry-looking raft. The bottom of the lake on that part of the west side was sandy and level and slopes gradually out into the water. And so for the next two hours, we, we made slow progress. I'm belly down on a raft, half submerged in very cold water. 
But I didn't want to complain since the boys weren't complaining. Dan and Wes, wearing packs, tried to guide the raft through the water around rocks. They had to wade deep enough for the raft to clear the bottom, but shallow enough to keep from soaking their packs. And that night, they'd have to share a sleeping bag because Dan's pack got soaked while he was trying to help me. As we reached the northwest part of the island, the bottom changed from sand to rocks the size of bowling balls, and wading became impossible. We dismantled the raft and tried to build a sled to drag the packs so a couple of the guys could help me out without carrying packs. That didn't work. The fog at that point thickened, the wind picked up, the temperature dropped, and we wondered if we were going to get soaked with cold rain. This was the low point on our collective morale. This really had melted down. It wasn't fun. I imagine the tidy speaker's quarters at Camp Barakal, my cozy book-lined inner study at church, my recliner at Granville College Cottage. I imagine lying in my firm, warm bed beside Lois under a nice, thick quilt. Through the whole ordeal, little Kyle shuffled along without complaining, wearing his dad's hat because it was man week and playing with his new knife. It was just shortly before this that Chuck, who was striding along the shore on what looked like hardened sand, encountered a problem none of us planned for. He stepped into a hole of quicksand up to his upper thigh. There were places along the north shore where the sand was eroding, creating an illusion of beach, which was almost liquid sand. The sand was embedded with shell and gravel, and when Chuck plunged in, he cut his foot, and the cut filled with gravelly sand. He was not cheerful about that. I was continually in prayer asking God for help and my heart was heavy with guilt that I'd invited myself to the boys' trip and then spoiled it for them. They were kind and respectful to me and none of them complained, but we were all very discouraged and began to talk openly of our love for fast food, hot showers, and flush toilets. On the way over, we had chatted briefly with a scoutmaster from Hart. He t- I told him that I take my sons to North Manitou Island and my daughters to Mackinac Island. Chuck said he wanted to go on the girls' trip next time, and he didn't ever want to see North Manitou Island again. And we all agreed, imagining eating fudge and riding bikes on Mackinac Island. I remember the lilacs, the Victorian rooms, the cinnamon rolls, the coffee shops lining the streets on Mackinac Island, and shook my head to clear my mind. Our plan B was to have someone carry my pack along with theirs and for two of them to help me hop around the north end of the island. We realized that would take the rest of the day and likely all night, but we were out of options. After a half hour of hopping, I discovered I could hobble just a little. If I didn't put too much weight on my foot, I began the long, laborious, and most painful hike of my life. For hours, we slowly made our way around the rocky north end as the sun fell lower in the sky. The evening was beautiful. My pain abated some. The sun came out and warmed our backs. And eventually, we could hear bird songs, the surf and the wind, and we could feel the warm sun. We could smell the fragrances of the outdoors. And we followed the tracks of deer, avoiding the places where they'd floundered in patches of quicksand. We walked into the early nightfall, then made camp just as the storm blew in. The clouds blew away in the night. The wind dried our gear. The morning was as beautiful as any I've ever experienced in my life. My pain had slackened, and I rose and started slowly down the beach. The others would break camp, and they would follow. 
The bright sun was coming up the sky. The wind was blowing fresh at my back. The lake was showing off stunning whitecaps. Around the next couple of points, the dock came into view. What a welcome sight. I prayed. I thanked God for his help. Only a few hours before, I had no idea how I was going to meet that ferry on Wednesday. Within a couple hours, we were all gathered on the soft grass near the dock. Kyle brewed us all some pour-over coffee that Chuck provided from Starbucks, and the smiles returned to our faces. Warmed by the sun, coffee in hand, looking out on the North Manitou Passage and a little cluster of people I love most in the world, my heart fell into thankful relief. The guys swam under the dock. Later, they took some photos. One in particular touched me. Kyle wanted a picture of he and Kyle Kenneth. I had made a memory with him on North Manitou Island, and he had made a memory with his Kyle. My fine, strong sons had shown me great love and respect and honor. And we looked up and saw the ferry tiny in the distance, engine growling, coming around the south point. All was well. We arrived in Leland. We gathered in a circle and prayed. I embraced each son, asked his forgiveness. They were all young and strong and kind and would have none of my apologies, but lied and said it was a great trip. And then I got in my red Jeep to head toward Barakal. The guys would head south to Grand Rapids. Later, they told me that I was rounding Grand Traverse Bay. They stopped for lunch, and Kyle Kenneth was eating his macaroni and cheese, and he stopped mid-bite and said, I miss Grandpa. A lot went wrong on that trip, but I'm sure I must have done something right. Today, Kyle is a pastor at Ada Bible Church over near Grand Rapids, and Chuck is a pastor at First Baptist Church in Portland, Daniel and Wes love the Lord. They live in the Southwest. Daniel lives in New Mexico with his wife and their baby Waylon, and he works in oil and gas uh, transmission. And Wes is a, is a plumber, and he lives with his wife in Salina, Texas, near, near Dallas. And the memory of North Manitou Island will never be taken from us.